And He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we know that death has been defeated through Him. I want to begin today before Jed leads us in worship out of John chapter 20. And just going to read 10 verses to you as we start out today. And, and as we gather today, as we worship our, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. While it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb, so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to him, them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Fathers, we remember today that your son is no longer in the grave. But that He is alive, Lord, we celebrate Your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we remember today what it was like to be separated from You. We remember today when we had no hope. When we live this life with despair and we live this life for ourselves, Lord, we remember what it was like to be away from You. But Lord, we remember that You died on the cross and on the third day You rose again. We remember That our life, our love, our joy, all of it is in You, Jesus. We remember today. We say thank You, Jesus, that You are not a dead King, but You are alive, and You are well, and You sit on the throne today. We remember. And Lord, we worship. We worship at Your feet today. We worship for who You are, Lord Jesus. We worship You. And we say thank You. And today, in the midst of it all, Lord, on this Resurrection Sunday, we remember that You are a God who can raise the dead. That You are a God that can heal the sick. You are the God that can heal the lame. And cause the blind to see again. We remember. And Lord, we worship You today. 
Father, we just cry out to You, Lord, and we ask You on this Resurrection Sunday that You would have mercy on our land and that You would do a miracle in our midst. And we pray against the spirit of fear. Father, that is opposite of Your Word and we know where fear comes from. It does not come from You. But instead, you have given this spirit of love and of a sound mind, Lord. And that you are good. And Father, we just cry out to you today that you would do your work in the midst of our nation, in the midst of the nations of this world, in the continents, the seven continents that are on this earth, that you would work a miracle on the behalf of those who are perishing and dying. We look to You and You alone. Father, in the midst of Winnebago County, our county, and Outagamie County, Calumet, and Fond du Lac, and Lord, we pray in Winnebago, we pray and ask You, Jesus, that You would do a work in the lives of the people. From the youngest child to the oldest adult, And to all those who are in leadership, Lord, we ask and pray that You would capture their heart today, the risen Savior, and that You would shine Your light upon the nations in in the midst of our darkness. And we praise You and we worship You today and we thank You that You are the risen Lord today. In Jesus' name. Today I have a few announcements for you as we are gathering together. For me, it's 24 years of new birth, and it, every year it's the same. It's a celebration. For me, on Easter's, when somehow God came and He transformed my life, and so today that we celebrate who Jesus Christ is and that He is no longer in the grave but that He is alive and He is in well. And because of that, I can experience joy, hope, and peace, and life, and abundant life at that. And so today, as we get ready to get into the Word, I have a few announcements. Um, some people have asked how they can give, and so, and some people, I know church people can be the most fickle people, um, about giving, and if you want to give, um, and I'm just playing with you guys, if you want to give, our office will be open Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, outside the doors, uh, Marsha will have a, our um, box out there, our giving box. You can just lay your um, checks in there, your cash, because I know some people don't want to send cash through the mail, and she will get that as soon as you... Um, Drop it off so you don't have to worry. But for those that want to do it this way, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, please uh, do that. Otherwise, you can give online. And we do thank you for your faithful giving and, and just helping out in this time of need, and especially for the food pantry. We just say thank you. I also want to give a shout out today to the children's ministry at Cornerstone Church. 
uh, we had an idea that we wanted to get a basket together for all our uh, five-year-olds to fifth graders and get a basket to them. And they delivered the baskets on uh, Friday. And I think all Friday they actually did it. It was Muffy and Angel did it. Uh, Alyssa and I bought the, the, the things to go on the basket. And then Casey Frymark put them all together. And so I just want to say thank you to them for working hard because we want our children to know that in the midst of this craziness, this isolation, is that Jesus is alive. And although it's candy, uh, it just gives them something that we want to say, we love you from Living Faith, or from Cornerstone Church. We love you, we care about you, and we, we're praying for you in this time. So those are the announcements that we have for today. So if you could turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to be in uh, this today because I think it's something in this scripture that is something that is going to speak to our hearts today and show us that we have hope in the midst of a crazy time in our lives. And, and I don't know about you, but I was pretty happy yesterday when um, we had some people walk by and were able to talk to them and then somebody dropped by in the midst of that and we had a just church in our driveway and it was fun to see people and then uh, we had another congregant walk by our house on earlier that day and so that was a good day for us and for some of you that it's it's different for you because you're inbound you're in your house you're isolated and you don't get out much but I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you and as we started this year off um, of finishing the race and running with endurance, is I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you and that we are going to run this race together, although we are separate. We are running this race together. And I can't think of a, a better time to be thinking about running a race and having endurance than what we do now. And I'm kind of wondering if this is the Maybe this is the year that the gospel is going to be proclaimed. This is a year that people realize that life is fragile and that we have eternity to live. And how are we going to live our life now and the decisions that we make? Uh, as we get into the scripture today, this scripture and this has changed my life and how I view life. And, it, and I'll talk about my testimony briefly in a few moments but Jesus Christ came to me in 1996 on Easter and changed my perspective of an angry young man who hated God. All of a sudden, my life has been transformed and turned around and it's been a journey ever since. I'll share more later, but I want to read the account. And I think this is something unique. And you're going to hear why in, as we go. There's 58 verses in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, so I'll take a minute for each verse. I'm just kidding, that would be a long time, and I know some of us don't want to be sitting on our couch that long. But I want to read the first 11 verses to you, and then I'll go through the, the three points that I have today. But it says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also you received in which you also stand, by which you are saved, if you, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom, at the time of this writing, Remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, some have died. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Rather than it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And so there are three points that I want to call out today and point out. The first is that we must know the most important thing, and that is the gospel. Second is Christ is the first fruit from the dead. The third is going to be those in Christ are the second fruit from the dead. And so this morning, we get hung up in Christianity quite a bit about what is the most important thing. And oftentimes it takes us away from the main thing. And the truth of the matter is, no matter what we think, I agree with what Paul said. When he says, I believe Christ crucified, that's all I know, Christ crucified and risen again. And he says, and he comes to this point because the Apostle Paul constantly had to defend himself and the gospel. And he says that very plainly in other scripture. But he says that he's going to bring for the most important thing to them, and that is the gospel. And so I want you to think about it this morning as we celebrate Easter. We are actually, this is the biggest day for the Christian world. It's not Christmas, although Christmas is pretty cool to celebrate the birth and God coming in flesh through Christ Jesus. But there's something even more important, and that is He is risen from the dead. You see, it is part of the gospel. And so today as we gather around food, uh, if you're going to do that today, we gather around the TV, we gather around music or whatever you're gathering around, you are actually celebrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And often I don't think of it like that, but for some reason, we need to. Because it is of the most important. Paul says this, that this is the gospel. And the reason I am so on fire for the gospel is for this very reason. It's because I was working in the Muslim world, sharing Jesus Christ, desiring for those who didn't know Christ to come to Him. And in the middle of all this, now I had been walking with the Lord for about 15, 16 years at this point, And I begin to wonder, well, what is the gospel? I I have really complicated this thing. I'm here to, to help people convert to Christianity, to know Jesus. And the reason why is because I have come to know Christ. 
And I would give all this up in a moment if I knew that Christ did not transform lives. But I know that He does because I am a life transformed. But I remember, excuse me with my mic, questioning what is the gospel. And God brought me to this very scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. And it says this that he was buried according to scripture. And that he was raised, he he was buried, well, first he died for our sins. I do not want to skip that. In verse 3, and he was buried in a tomb. But then he was raised on the third day according to Scripture. This is the Gospel. This is what transforms our lives. It is nothing else. It is the complete Gospel. It is lacking nothing. It is so not lacking that we have an account that Jesus actually appeared to the apostles. And not only did he appear to the apostles, but he appeared to 500 men And I know there were women there. And so could you think of it and imagine it just for the moment that today the world may say this is a hoax. You believe in something false, but I would like to question those who question this truth is that were you there? And if you're like me, I wasn't there. But we have an account in Scripture. Not only do we have an account, but we have an account in history that Jesus appeared to 500. And then 1 John, and the book of John talks about beholding the One who came in flesh. And they talk about touching Him. And worshiping Him. And so as I begin to wonder what the gospel is, and again, I was truly saved, and that's why I can go back to scriptures like out of John chapter 20, verse 9, it says that he was raised from the dead, and they didn't fully comprehend. And I asked Jed this morning, and I'll ask you today, is can you be saved and not fully understand what you have been saved into. And I would say yes. But you have to grow. You have to come to a deeper understanding. And it is not a special revelation that is meant for some. This is a revelation that is meant for all. And to come and to know Him. And I won't belabor the point, but... Verse 10 says this, and we can all say this together as believers, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I can be nothing more, nothing less, but His grace towards me did not prove vain. And Paul says, but I labored more than all of them, yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with him. Isn't it oftentimes that we think of these men of faith and these women of faith as somebody special? And I even heard it this week that we think of those that have gone before of us as something special. But God chose to use men and women at that time by His grace to touch a fallen world. 
then we too have to look at it the same way. And the most important thing is the most important thing, and it's the gospel. And it gives us hope. And it gives us life. And so I got through that point really quick, and that's a miracle. And so let's go to point number two, which is Christ is the first fruit. And you see, there was a debate amongst the Corinthians, apparently, that, that the, the dead are not raised. And, and even there was an argument later on that the dead had already been raised. And so this raising of the dead is a very of importance, of most importance to the Christian. And so there was an argument amongst them that maybe the dead weren't raised. And we see in verse 15 through 19, It says, Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. Now, isn't that funny that I'm saying these Scriptures? And if we only take this Scripture, then we take it out of context. But Paul goes on to say, If in fact the dead are not raised, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. And that word worthless, we all know it, but it's devoid of benefit. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith has no benefit to you. It is actually worthless. You are still in your sins. And it says this, and those also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, never to rise again. And we know that that is not true as we do funerals and we've seen our loved ones who are in Christ. Our hope is that we will see them again. And I don't know about you, but I have some people that I want to see again. And in my family, we had a precious grandfather that went to see Jesus when I was seven. And there was something about this granddad. He was special to us. And to have him pass, even to this day, I remember him. I have seen him, touched him, loved him. And there was something even at the age of seven, although I didn't know Jesus, but I knew I was going to see that granddad again. And many years have passed since then. And I know my brothers are listening this morning and and they will testify the same thing. There was just something special about this man. But you see, as they were saying, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then our faith is void. Then I have no hope in this life. And uh, verse 19 says this, if we hoped in Christ in this life only, We are of all men to be pitied. And I actually for once like the King James better in this way. And maybe because I memorize a scripture in this way, but it says this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men 
most miserable. And I think about that today in the situation we are. And and until this passes, we are going to be talking about it. But we have people perishing all around us, and we have for a long time. Before a time in our history, we are stopping all that we are doing in order that more death will not come. I'll be honest with you, I am not concerned about me and my family, although I do not want this disease to knock my door. But I am more concerned about the vulnerable and the most vulnerable about in our society. But I will tell you this, even if the coronavirus, COVID-19, knocks on your door and takes the life of a family member, if they are in Christ, there is hope. You see, maybe that is why as believers that we are not to shrink back in fear because we know that there is something better in life than what we see right now. But if I have hope in this life only, I am miserable. So what happens when the stock market bottoms out? What happens if I'm never able to freely walk, and I don't believe it's going to happen, freely be able to walk out my doors and not worry? But the truth is, our life isn't guaranteed anyway. And as a believer, if we have hope in this life only, we are miserable. But you see, if Jesus Christ today, and I'm going to make this claim to you, if Jesus Christ was not resurrected from the dead, the cross would be void today. Because if He had not risen from the dead, He would have not have been an acceptable sacrifice. Now you might want to say, well, you're kind of stretching things a bit, but I don't think so. Because it says this in Scripture, and we're going to look just a little bit further down in Scripture, but it says, 1 John 2.1 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And we talked about this on Wednesday night, that the propitiation is a passing over of sins. And you see, if Jesus had stayed on the cross and stayed in the grave, and if we could find His bones today, that means that He didn't pass through the heavens. But Scripture tells us that He passed through the heavens on our behalf so that you and I can come boldly before God, the throne of grace, to find help in our time of need. And then it goes on in Scripture, and hold on with me for just a moment, but it says in verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. And I realize that we can look at this scripture and say, this is no fair that I have to pay the consequences of Adam. And like, this isn't fair that I struggle with sin. And, but I'm going to tell you that all of us, no matter race or creed or anything that we hold on today, is that we all originated from our original parents, Adam and Eve. And they failed us in the garden. And all die because of Adam and we are all wicked together. Together. So all men through Adam die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. You see, we can blame God, we can shake our fist at God and say, this is no fair, but then He may look at us and say, well, look what I did for you. I gave you my Son so that you wouldn't have to come under my wrath and my condemnation. And so it says this, goes on to say, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are in Christ at his coming. So it's saying that Christ is risen first. There have been other men that have been raised from the dead and women that have been raised from the dead, but they did not live on to eternity. They died again. How would you like that? Think about it just for a moment, to be raised from the dead to die again. That was stink. Let me taste death once. But Christ tasted death once and for all. And then it goes on. Then comes the end and He hands over the kingdom to God the Fa- and Father who he has, um, when He has abolished all rule and authority and power. And then it goes on to say that Christ is going to lay everything at the Father's feet. And when he does this, the scripture says it is evident that Christ is accepted in verse 27 who put all things in subjection to him. And then we will know that God is all in all. So Christ risen from the dead means everything for us. And I want to point this scripture out to you in 32 and 34. Paul says this, If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Be sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. So I want to say this to you. These scriptures are for the unbeliever and the foolish, who may not say but act as if there is no God. Because Paul is saying, look, I, didn't, I wasn't in a coliseum in Ephesus, and I've stood in that coliseum. 
And it profits me nothing if the dead are not raised. I might as well say, hey, let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for we're going to die. And some of us who confess to be believers live this way. And then some of us who don't even confess to be believers, we just say, I'm going to live my life. If for tomorrow I die, I don't know what my future holds. And I am right there with you. For some reason, I found myself in church in 1996 on an Easter Sunday. God had already been dealing with my heart. Right before I turned 21, I was a needle junkie. Some, most of you know my past. I was hooked on meth and smoked pot, drank. This is what I did. This is how I coped with my life. And I remember going into church Pentecostal church. 290 pounds of built up anger at God and the world. And bald head and messed up. And I don't remember what the preacher preached that morning, but I remember the conviction that fell on my heart. And I would, I would call myself, as I said earlier, somebody who hated God. Because I believed this lie that if God gives me anything good, that He is going to take it away. That was my perspective. And so as I went to church, and as I saw my dad was a pastor, my dad totally walked away. And it was sad and it hurt. But I still remember, and it's hard to explain, but when my mom and dad were raising us, that Jesus was right in the center of our home. I didn't know Jesus. I don't remember the gospel growing up. But I remember in the midst of God dealing on my heart that there was peace in our home. In the midst of all this chaos, I needed a Savior. And this was my exact prayer. And I know it is not church prayer, okay? I needed God anywhere. Heaven or hell. That's a great prayer that I do not suggest you praying. But that's how desperate I was. That's how lost I was. And you know what? God honored that prayer. God knew that He was calling me out and and that for some reason He was leading me to that church to hear a message, to give my life to Jesus and to be transformed. I will admit to you I walked out of that church still messed up as far as drugs and alcohol goes. But my life began on a road and a journey with Jesus. And that all of a sudden, you see, because I lived on the Oregon coast for a while, and 
We had the Cascade Mountains right behind us. We were four miles from the beach, and Cannon Beach was part of our history. And if you've ever seen Goonies, the Astoria Column, all those things were of beauty and awe to the eye. But as a child, I knew no beauty. And even as a young adult, I knew no beauty until that day in 1996. And all of a sudden, all the memories become flooding back to me of the beauty and awe of God's creation and that my life now had a purpose and that I was going to live it for Jesus Christ. And I will say it is because of the resurrected Savior. And so we can ask the question today, when am I good enough to come to God? And you see, some of us, see, this gospel... I have to remind you, churchgoer, this gospel is for you. We act as if it's for a dying world, but this gospel is for you. Because what happens is when we lose the meaning of the gospel, we've lost our faith, we've lost our way, we've lost our awe, we've lost our passion. And I'm so thankful for times like this that we're isolated to where we have to create a time of worship on our own to reflect on Good Friday and to reflect on Easter Sunday. But I ask this question, when are we good enough? You see, because I lived a life of faith that if I just did enough, if I acted right enough that God would accept me even after I was saved. This is how I lived. And then when God challenged me on that day, I remember where it was in Turkey. What is the gospel? And then I begin to look at the gospel again and believe that Jesus Christ is enough. And that I'll never be good enough. Did you hear last Sunday's sermon about God having to raise up a shepherd? He did this because He knew man was not good enough. He knew that it was only going to be the Son He sent that would stand on our behalf and would take the wrath of God on Himself for us so that we can celebrate today. And so I share that with you, but here it goes on before I get too long-winded. The third point is those in Christ are the second fruit. You see, it goes on in Scripture, it says this in verse 50, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. And we can say this because of today. And then in Thessalonians it says this in Verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 in First Thessalonians. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, who have died. 
For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be always with the Lord. I have this in my hand, and I will not blow it this morning, because I will utterly probably fell. But if you hear this noise, this is what we call the shofar. And I know in, in a time in Christianity in the 90s that this was popular to, to blow, and some of you that didn't experience, this was real popular. But it says that in the twinkling of an eye, it will come upon us. We will hear a trumpet blast And the dead in Christ will go first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them. And what happens is our perishable perishable bodies will become imperishable. Our bodies that are sown in dishonor, which we struggle with sin, will be raised in glory. Our lives that are sown in weakness, we are weak, right? We'll be raised in power. This earthly body, this natural body, will be given a new body, which is a spiritual body. Christ will return to call His bride home, but will you be in that number? And you see, I pray to both those who aren't in Christ and know they're not in Christ, and then I pray for you, and I speak to you who think you are in Christ. And the Gospel's for all of us today. And it goes on to say this. In verse 54. But when this perishable body will have been put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I will tell you that right now we are tasting the sting of death and the power of sin. And death was not meant to be. But it is our inheritance until... Christ either comes to take us home while we are still alive or afterwards. But on that day, when Christ receives His bride in the glory, the sting of death will be done away with. And the power of sin, and then we will all say with Christ Jesus Himself, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So I want to ask us today as we wrap up Easter Resurrection Sunday. Have you come to the point of believing the good news? You see, a life, to live a perfect life according to His standards, a perfection, which I'm a perfectionist, I hate making mistakes, I can't stand it when I fail. 
But do you realize that all of us fell? Do you realize that all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God? Do you realize that none of us can live to God's standards, but that He gave us Jesus Christ, that He could live for our standard today? That He is our standard? So child, if you're in your living room, and adult, if you're in your living room, you need the perfected one. You need Jesus. And so I speak to you, if you know you're far from Christ, come near. He's waiting for you. And then you that are trying to rely on your works. And some of you are trying to rely on your church attendance, your offering giving. And I don't even care if you give money. I could care less about your money. I could care less about your church attendance. But see, we put our hope that maybe that is good enough. But I want you to say, the good news today is that is not good enough. The good news today is that Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. For I am who I am, and I am enough for you. And that for you, the dying world, is the good news. So I would like to call us all to a place of faith and trust. And the gospel never gets old for me. And if it's not for that renewing truth of the gospel, and if it's not for that hope, I would be of most men pitied. And walking around like Eeyore, saying, woe is me, woe is me. But I don't have to do that. Sometimes I find myself doing that, but when I see the gospel, it doesn't last long. So I want to give you this as we end in in worship, and then I'll come back to pray, is then what is the application for today for the believer? Paul says this in verse 58, My beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil today is not in vain. Don't move away from the gospel. And the application, if you don't know Jesus, I would like you to call you to know Him. For He is good. And He is powerful. And He is God. And all you do is have to call out to Him. And say, Jesus, I need you today. I know I'm not good enough. And I know that I fell and even times I don't care, but I still need you. And I put my trust in your cross and in your burial and in your resurrection. So today as we end in worship, have this mind in you that we live in a fallen world and that every one of us are in this together and that those who choose Christ Jesus and who He is, they will rise again to eternity to be with Him in glory. And it's all because of Resurrection Sunday. Let's worship together. So as we end today... This is a happy, happy day for us. And I want to encourage you today that 
to share the love that you've found in Jesus Christ with someone. You see, at this time, I want to just get very serious just for the moment. At this time, people are really feeling the, evol- the um, consequences of isolation. And whether you agree with what's going on or not, I'm hearing more chatter, chatter, chatter about what's going on. But there are people that are actually being, that are anxiety-ridden right now. And they need that human, react, that human interaction. And what's happened is we've been isolated for, for, what, four weeks now. And we have until April 24th. And maybe it will go on. And, and we don't know. And we respect those in authority. But I want you to be praying for people. Because I can't think of a better time than to share hope. And that we can say that the world is not alone in this. If we would just turn to Christ, if we just turn to Him. And so I want you to do me a favor, church, is that when you're thinking and when you're praying through this, that, that this isn't about you, that this isn't all about you being stuck at home. Like Others are going through the same thing. And will you reach out? Will you call somebody? Will you write a letter to somebody and just know, let them know that you love them, that you care for them, and that you're praying for them? Because they need it in such a time as this. And I don't know about you, but I'm about to shave my head. And I, it was funny, I was talking to my hair stylist, and I said, I threatened her. I said, if you can't cut my hair, I'm going to shave it. And she said, go ahead and shave it. No, she didn't say that. She said, please don't shave your head. But my point is, is that we're all feeling this and we all need some hope. We need some laughter and we need Jesus. And so as you go, don't get caught up in the conspiracies. And we'll have time to debate when this is all said and done. But this is a small moment in our history that we can debate it later. But you know who we really need right now? We need Jesus. And the Word says that He is the author and perfecter of our faith. So we need to turn our eyes to Him. And I've been hearing this constantly, and I thank you for those that have been saying this to me. Look up, look up, look up. And I want to encourage you that with that today as you have Resurrection Sunday to look up. Jesus is sitting on the throne and He has not lost control. He is in control when I am not in control. And I praise Him for that today. So as you go, go in peace. And remember, for your discipleship class, no discipleship today. We're going to be with our families in isolation over Easter. And then tomorrow morning we'll pray together from 8 to 9 on our Zoom call. And the, the Zoom ID meeting is uh, 9207 uh, 257252. The password is 277270. Well, 277270. I may have messed that up. Look at your email. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to be back. Brother Calvin is going to be lead us in Bible study. So please be in attendance in that so you can be encouraged to the Word of God. Again, be blessed today. Thank you for making us a part of, you're a part of the family. Thank you for joining with your family today in worship as we worship together. And be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.